1: Wednesday, happy hump day. I am in a days. It has been a long series of pro wrestling days, days and days of pro yeah. wrestling here on the Winkley. But I am your managing editor of Wrestling, Inc., Nick Houseman Joined here, uh, very a first very special appearance here on Hump Day for a Wednesday episode of the Winkly. It's Michael Weisman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkly.
0: Just call me Wednesday Wiseman today. I'll be here all week. Actually, I will be here all week. This is a weekly Wiseman week, isn't it?
1: That's right, because tomorrow we're going to be releasing uh, a very special Thanksgiving special. Um, It's going to have Mega Rand, Dave LaGreca, Haku, Josh Barnett, and Michael and I are going to be talking about what we are thankful for. So that will be dropping tomorrow on the show. Uh, Mm. uh, Justin Labar is just off traveling. It's a holiday week for him. So that's where he's at. Uh, But we got a big show here today to get to before tomorrow's also very big show. On today's show, we have two interviews with men that know how to create a lot of buzz in the pro wrestling business. The first interview you're going to hear right after the news segment is somebody we're going to talk about in the news segment. It is my interview with Joey Janella, the bad boy. Uh, this interview was recorded uh, during StarCast 4 weekend, uh, so just a couple weeks ago. Um, it, is, uh, it was filmed in a very open space, so you're going to hear a lot of like ambient sound around it, but it's great. Joey's great, and I, I know you guys will like it a lot. Uh, also, right after the interview with Joey Janela, uh, which also, by the way, is a video interview, so you can find that on our YouTube channel if you want to go watch it there as well. Uh, you will also be hearing today from Virgil. Our own Andy Malnoski went out, chatted with Virgil at 80s WrestleCon. That is also a video interview, so both Virgil and Joey will be available on our YouTube channel right when the weekly comes out today as well. Uh Joey Janela and Virgil. You can't really ask for more of a midweek pop than that,
0: can you? What a day, man. What a day. Joey Janela, Virgil. You got some big interviews planned for our Thanksgiving spectacular yes, too. Dude, tomorrow's show is lit. I'm not gonna lie. I don't say lit a lot, but
1: tomorrow's show the Thanksgiving special, very lit. And since and I don't really like to like tease interviews too far off, but I know we're gonna play this interview next week. I do want to thank our good friend Mr. King from Saudi Arabia, who's a pro wrestling journalist over there. Uh, He does a great job. I talked to him for about a half hour this morning. We're going to run on one of the shows next week and uh, some really interesting stuff from Mr. King. Uh, I know there's a lot of questions about what is going on with WWE in Saudi Arabia, and it was great for him to get to sit down with me and uh, talk about uh, the many issues that that came out of Crown Jewel, women's wrestling, the travel stuff, uh, the, the, the tape delay tickets, all that stuff. We get into it. You're going to hear it next week, Michael.
0: That's so cool, dude. I mean, just we we look at wrestling a certain way here stateside that we've done for years. We cover the business, right? And just getting that peek behind what it's like to cover this sport in Saudi Arabia, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, you guys are going to really, really dig that one. So anyway, I don't want to give away too much because I got even more than that in the can. But let's get to it here. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. I said we were going to talk about him. Let's start it off with him. The bad boy, Joey Janela. Well, he caught my attention on Twitter last night. I was sitting there watching Curse of Oak Island. I watched uh, the, the TNA – or I watched the Impact Wrestling um, uh, IWPF show. I think that's what yes, it was. Yes. Did, yes. did you also watch IWPF?
0: <laughs> yes. I, got, I didn't watch all of it, but when it started buzzing, I was like, wait, what's what's going on? Here? I was taking a break from wrestling. You know, we've been watching wrestling yeah, for 15 days straight. I tried,
1: <laughs> I tried to take the break, too, but I was like, this is so different. So I did. I watched it. It was very entertaining. It's not on our, our run sheet
0: here, but – So I was watching that. I watched Curse of Oak Island. And it was buzzing, too. Kudos. I know it was not on the run sheet, but kudos to Impact for doing a really unique, really special (laughs) show. You you can see the clips on their YouTube channel if you didn't catch the whole show. Just some really fun, a fun throwback show in a way that I I know that NWA is over there doing their thing with power. But this was a really, really neat thing.
1: Yeah, it was. It was very fun. You know who absolutely loved that? was Bill Apter. I swear to, I swear to God, <laughs> this man texted me no less than a dozen times last night about how much he loved what Impact Wrestling did last <laughs> night. And he loved it so much, he watched the first run of it and then he watched the replay. He watched it twice last night. So, oh God, that's
0: beautiful. That's beautiful.
1: It, so there you go. A strong endorsement from Bill after. But uh, anyway, so I'm watching that. I was like, this is really fun. Then I then I started watching Curse of Oak Island. I love Curse of Oak Island. Then I watched Kings of Pain. Have you ever watched Kings of Pain? I'm
0: not familiar with it. What is
1: it's about two guys who go around the world getting stung and bit by insects and animals to gauge the pain level so they can create a pain index.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, yes. I'm looking at it on the YouTube little quick preview here. My God, that's a giant snake biting that dude on the bicep. This is
1: all that show (laughs) is. It airs after Curse of Oak Island every Tuesday night. So, anyway, I love my Tuesday I'm sitting there. I'm, like, enjoying myself. I'm on the couch. And I look down at my my Twitter feed, and I see Joey Janela. He tweets out the following. He said, didn't get on my flight for AEW Dynamite tonight. I'm not going. Nothing was addressed about the way I was eliminated from the match last week. I'm losing all the steam I created on my own through 14 years of hard work. Write these wrongs and answer the phone. Um, he then deleted this tweet uh, about an hour later. No word yet if it's part of an angle for AEW, but almost immediately after he deleted the tweet, he put out another tweet that says "Protovision" in all capital letters. I was like, "What is this word?" I googled it. This is the name of a song by a band called Kavinsky. Uh, here's the first couple lyrics of that song, "Protovision" by Kavinsky. It says, "If I could have my way, I'd be sleeping in the alley on a couch with a friend and a bottle of gin. If I could have my way, I'd be running with the circus. I would be taming all the lions. There'd be no denying I was brave and crazy." If I could have my way, I wouldn't be dreaming, scheming, screaming, oh, what am I going to do about you? Now, there's more, and all the lyrics kind of, they kind of call back to the same kind of sentiment. This doesn't, I mean, knowing Joey, this doesn't really feel like a work from him. He kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. It sounds like he's
0: uh, genuinely a little bit frustrated. Well, and to catch people up, if you did not watch last week's uh, AEW, the um, Diamond Dozen Battle Royal, uh, Sean Spears struck him with a steel chair when he was on the top rope and he he fell out to the floor. Um, And then he lost to Sean Spears at Full Gear, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Yes, yes, he did. But, so, yeah, two quick losses to a guy who is not the most prominent wrestler coming into AEW. However, he did have some great spotlight matches earlier this year, especially the one with John Moxley. And Omega. Um,
1: yeah, and Omega. He wrestled yeah, to yeah, Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: And, yeah, and Omega, exactly. Some great—I mean, that one with Moxley was the main event um, of that show. So, yeah, it's just a strange— I don't know, Nick. I, I might fall on the line of this might be a work. I might lean towards this being something they're doing to promote um, an upcoming bat with him and Spears. Yeah, maybe. Uh, very interesting
1: here, though. I, it definitely caught me off guard because I know Joey, because you're going to hear him talk in the interview here uh, a little bit later in the show. Um, you know, one of the things that he mentioned to me um, but early, before this interview, and it came up again in this past interview, that, or the interview we're going to air on here, is how he's trying to move away from car crash matches and show that he can wrestle. Um, mm. I, I, he did get a chance to do that with Kenny Omega. I really, yeah, I would find it a little difficult to see him genuinely distressed about his treatment because he has got to do certainly some more high profile things than, than other people on the roster. Um, and he had that great iconic moment there, dropping the elbow off the ladder, um, from, from all out, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I find it hard to believe, but Joey is a very, and you'll hear it, it's He gets described this way all the time a very interesting cat, right? And I know he loved his time in GCW, and I know he loves his time on the independents where he could be truly free, and I I do wonder if there's even a moment there where he, if he feels in any way kind of cornered or trapped or like he's not happy, he seems like the kind of guy that would act out very quickly as well, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. He's a very creative individual. He masterminds all of these big things, spring break every year at WrestleMania weekend. So, yeah, this dude... He understands that he has built this on his own. People would never have taken Joey Janela seriously in the past. And he has created this interest and aura around his personality and his product that I could very easily see him being influenced by getting knocked over the top rope by a steel chair, losing a match. Couple, Yeah. That does hurt your brand a little bit. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, um, even if it is a work, let's say, even if it is, if it is a work, why would he delete it though? Right? Well, that's part of the work though, right? That's part of the,
1: okay. Okay. All
0: right. But even if it's, I should say, even if it's not a work, I really hope that they they find a way to mend this bridge and lean into it yeah. because I think this is an interesting way to move forward with this character
1: it's true it definitely creates definitely created a buzz it did a, it you know the reason it's the top story here today is because it was the top story on the site a lot of people interested in hearing what's going on with Joey so I, I'm with you. Lean in. And AEW is very good at that. But do they want to with Joey? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> who knows? Answer the phone, I guess. Um, Does so, this mean
0: we get to see more of Tony Khan as a
1: behind-the-door on-screen character? <laughs> talking to Joey. But Joey's not mad like Moxie. He's just like, Tony, I just really love wrestling. It's like an art form <laughs> to me. And when I don't get to paint with the colors I want on the palette, I mean, I don't get to create happy little clouds, Tony. And, um, you know,
0: it just... Does- doesn't Tony strike you as the kind of guy that if Joey were to approach him like that, Tony would immediately hug him like, <laughs> like Tony's that kind here. of guy, right? Come here. Sorry,
1: buddy. Sorry, man. We'll ma- you know what? What do you want? You want another Omega match? Who you want to wrestle? We'll figure it out. AEW. <laughs> nice rainbow comes over the back of the locker room. Um, all right, let's move along here. Uh, WWE wardrobe stylist and designer, Erica Gimble tweeted out a photo of her working on what looks like, uh, to me, like an 1800-styled gothic girl's dress with a tweet that says, let her in, Bray Wyatt. I repeat, let her in, Bray Wyatt. Um, a lot of speculation that this could be whatever the new member of Firefly house is going to be on Friday night. I think it's worth noting, like I've been noting in the past, Liv Morgan, uh, she's been doing this gothic kind of transition over on Twitter right now that kind of lines up with the teases for this new character, and now we get a "Let Her In." Um, I'm I'm not 100 percent on it, but I would, I don't think that uh, I'd be surprised at all to see Liv Morgan in this. Uh, maybe he brings Abby the Witch to life. You know what I mean?
0: Mm. Yeah, it, it, Liv Morgan. I think it's a, a really under the under the radar kind of talent. Like she's been doing some good work over the in and she kind of had this. Um, Harley Quinn-style persona going on for a while. So transitioning that to be darker could work. My big question here isn't about Liv Morgan. It's about how well does this Bray Wyatt character move forward having somebody else involved? Because I think the Bray Wyatt persona, the Firefly Funhouse persona, and even The Fiend has worked because it's felt like it's from a different place than traditional pro-wrestling storytelling, Um, much like The Undertaker in his early years did as well, which is why it's broken down a little bit for me the more they featured him in matches and on TV. So adding somebody else, it's not like back when CM Punk did the Straight Edge Society, right? And you could just add people to the cult. This is a very outside the typical realm, outside the ring, outside the arena method of storytelling. And um, and I think it can't work, but You've got to convince me here.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, I'm I'm optimistic about it. Um, I Sorry. understand. I understand the, the trepidations. I just I think if it is live in this role, I could see her working well. I think part of the logic to me is that um, Brit, the Fiend character is resonating so well with all the the men and the, and the boys out there. Maybe we can rub a little of that energy over into the women's division, right? And get a Fiend type character going in the women's division where we don't really have any characters that are dark and demonic like that in the women's division, right? It's, it's largely filled with, um, I hate to say shooter, straight, straightforward type ass kicking women at the moment, you know, with very little deviation from that, by the way. So I could see a character like a, a fiendish w- woman playing well in that, uh, environment. Um, and you brought up how, you know, with the undertaker, how you can't just add people to the cult, and everything like that. Um, they did have a very successful spinoff with the undertaker. I don't know if you know, a of his brother Kane, right? <laughs> um Who yeah. is
0: this? Is this some mayor of some <laughs> yeah, place?
1: Yeah, the mayor. I think he just put a book out and <laughs> he was on the I uh, think he was on busted open radio uh, yesterday. Um yeah, you know, Kane worked uh, and uh obviously went on to have a great career. You know, if if you can really p- pair her off well off of Bray, I mean, it, there is some precedent here, I guess I should say for for working out.
0: Yeah, I, I you, you know, good point. I like the, the counterpoint here to the Undertaker's family as well. And Liv Morgan is talented enough that I could see her doing the Firefly Funhouse segments and being kind of this quirky co-host or whatever they would do backstage with her and the puppets. And then she comes out much like The Fiend does in a much more darker persona. I think she could go back and forth, and not every talent has that capability. Yeah. Um. Well, let's talk about Monday Night Raw.
1: Showbuzz Daily uh, reporting that Monday's post-Survivor Series edition of Monday Night Raw, featuring Fallout from Sunday's big WWE Survivor Series pay-per-view, drew an average of 2.109 million viewers. This is down 0.9% from last week. So, less than a point, but still down. Um, Last week's did 2.128 million viewers for the Survivor Series go home. Uh, This is the second lowest... Non-Holiday Raw viewership in the show's history. Uh, The audience was down 11% from the same week last year. Uh, The first hour drew 2.241 million. Uh, Last week's did 2.245, so just about even. Uh, The second hour this week drew 2.19 million. Last week's did 2.21 million, um, so uh, about even. And then the last hour here uh, drew 1.896, down from last week's uh, 1.925. So a little bit more there. Um, but overall, a 15% drop from hour one to hour three. Now, to keep that in perspective, I did want to point out that Raw was still the number one or number ten. Uh, it was Raw was still number ten in the night for viewership on cable, only behind Monday Night Football, uh, uh, K- Monday Night Kickoff, Sports Center, Hannity, and then all the other uh, uh, news shows on on Fox and, and MSNBC. So, still in the top ten of viewership. So, I don't want to be too doom and gloomy about it here. But certainly interesting to see that the numbers were down um, coming out of Survivor Series. Man, I that finish really, I think, left a bad taste in people's mouths. I
0: was say, like, do you draw a correlation here between the fact that Raw only won one of their matches on Sunday as opposed to SmackDown and NXT True. winning more than them?
1: True. Is, it, is, that, the, is that the deal <laughs> they made here? We'll keep Raw about where it is in hopes of getting NXT over to the next level, which, I mean, it really did feel like everybody was bending over – this past weekend to get NXT so much exposure. we I hope they break a million this week. They put a lot of work into it. Um, But yeah, man, like, you know, less people tuned in the week after the show than the week before it. And uh, I do think that, you know, I'm a little surprised because I thought the Ray and Brock stuff was good. I actually thought Monday Night Raw, the show overall, was pretty good. I The, the, the drop as hard as they did for the third hour there. I mean, it surprised me, especially because I think the end of the second hour ended with Ray Mysterio capturing the U.S. title.
0: Well, and you had some interesting hooks throughout that show to keep the energy going, which you don't always have with a Monday Night Raw. So, yeah, seeing the drop-off throughout the night is interesting. Seeing the drop-off from last week, you I mean typically after a pay-per-view, you go up, especially the night afterwards. So that's a little bit worrisome. My only thought—I haven't looked at the numbers here—but how does this compare to a typical Thanksgiving week? Um, is this lower? Because— Keep in mind, I think, I don't know if they, yeah, you know, they typically run Survivor Series right the week before uh, Thanksgiving. But yeah, I, I don't know, Nick. I mean, it's hard to explain. I think, I think Raw has been weak for a while now. Um, Who's your main guy on there? Well, Brock Lesnar, he's Seth not Rollins. around.
1: It's Seth Rollins right now.
0: <laughs> it's Seth Rollins. Nobody's interested in him. So is this just reflecting the greater indifference to the raw product that's been happening for weeks and weeks Are and they
1: weeks? they going to Baron Corbin, this guy, where it's like, viewership's down, it's your fault? You know, it's like it's always somebody's fault, right? Yeah. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, well, post wrestling, uh, they're reporting that Moro Ronaldo is not going to be appearing on Wednesday night's NXT as a commentator, even though he had been teased as appearing uh, on Sunday night's uh, uh, Survivor Series when they said that his voice had been blown out and he couldn't appear on the show. Uh, it was noted by Post that there uh, has been communication over the past few days between Moro and WWE officials, but no. But the decision was made that he would not be returning to work this week. Now, there's still no word on if Moro is going to return to the show next week. Of course, this all comes on the heels of Corey Graves' tweets towards uh, Moro during uh, War Games about how you know he overshadowed, I guess, the other two people at the table, and he made too many rap references. Uh, to wit, Corey Graves has issued the following apology on his After the Bell podcast. He said, A ton to get to this week, as we do every week, but before we go any further, on a personal note, I needed to address something. This past Saturday during Takeover War Games, I sent out a tweet. It was an unpopular opinion, as I often do with the intention of just stirring up a little controversy, but maybe have something fun to talk about on TV or here on the show. It was maybe not the most professional way to go about things, and it was never meant to offend or disrespect or disparage anybody. That was never my intention. If it was taken as such, I apologize deeply. That was not my intention. I would never intentionally cause anybody undue stress, especially a coworker. So... I apologize. He really apologized twice in that statement, and uh, I thought it was—I thought it was a uh, pretty genuine on Corey's part. And it, you know, it kind of goes back more to where I think his headspace may have been about trying to stir up something Survivor Series weekend interbrand. And there's so much of this that goes on in pro wrestling now, where guys just say. Oh, it's like a compliment if I decide to go after you and we can get into a Twitter thing and, and create some interest, right? <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. So, miscommunicate, <laughs> m- miscommunication here. Oh, big music and miscommunication here. Uh, I think i very, and yeah, I think the target was maybe ill placed knowing, knowing Moro. So, very bad miscommunication. And I do take Graves at face value here that he is genuinely apologetic about how this all played out.
0: Twitter is the new way we build wrestling feuds, I guess. Like, we don't do it on TV. We do it all on Twitter. Is that...
1: (laughs) Well, and what I wonder if the lesson learned here from Moro is, is this just not a space for him? Has he done what he wanted to do in pro wrestling? Because when you go do MMA or you go do boxing, you're not going to get your co-host or anybody else trying to stir up some controversy to maybe play into a story or anything. Uh, Yeah. It could be a better space for him. Because, I mean, if you're going to stick around in pro wrestling... I, w- I would think that he would have to know that this, there's a very good chance something someone could say could, could, this could happen again. So I don't know.
0: Well, don't. you know, that's a good point, right? That these guys can do this kind of work in other areas where they're not part of the on screen story. They just get to go and do their job. Like, Corey Graves understands pro wrestling. The announcers get involved, right? right. Um. These guys are going to be characters on screen from time to time, and I, I think he's leaning into that. I, I do take a little bit of umbrage here with the fact that uh, he kind of justifies before he apologizes, and it seems nitpicky, but if you hear him say this, as I listen to on the podcast, um, I sent out a tweet. It was an unpopular opinion. He says, as I often do, so basically saying this is not abnormal. Right. Um, <laughs> maybe if something he, – so he's he said it was maybe not the most professional way to go about things. Right. He's kind of like, well, maybe if you see it that way, and he says um, if it was taken such – that was never my intention, and if it was taken as such, I apologize deeply. And I think that line is just say that was never my intention and then say so I'm sorry. Not Never say if it was taken as such. Like that's that's I, just a little bit backing out, you know?
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I get it. And, and again, it's like I think it's one of those things that in retrospect – I think that maybe he understands a bit more. And you're right. Maybe he could clarify that a bit. But it definitely sounds like a, a, a shock jock retraction, right? Sure. You know, where it's sure. like, I go out every day and I say stupid shit to get people talking and give them a chuckle in their car. And I don't even really believe all this stuff. Right. right. You know.
0: Uh, I wish in this case, it seems like maybe if if this is the reason Morrow is out, and again, this is what we've heard and kind of speculating, but it's never been 100% confirmed, right? So if this is the reason Morrow is out, maybe Corey could have set this up with Morrow ahead of time saying, hey, Morrow, I'm going to go after you just for fun. Uh, Is that cool with you? I know there's been some things in the past. I just want to make sure we're all on the up and up here. And it's also interesting to me, too, that they announced Morrow for Sunday night for on Sunday night for Wednesday, right? They said, you're going to see him back on Wednesday. No worries. And then he's still not back yet. So to me, the question isn't so much, why did you announce him on Sunday? But was that a play to say, hey, if we announce him, it's going to be more likely he'll return? And what is his stance moving forward?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And if he's not here this week, you know, and again, it's like, I know Moro deals with his his own world of issues. So it could be he needs a couple weeks. It may be one of those things, again, he decides to swing away entirely. Whatever's better sure. for him, I think, is what we all agree we want for Moro. Yes. Um, but again, like if, if he's going to be in the pro wrestling space, uh, you know, Corey Graves, I think, uh, I don't think he really thought through the target, right? I think he thought through the, uh, I think he, I think he saw, <laughs> uh, I think he saw a, a thing and not a person. I'll put it yeah. that way. Right. He saw, this yep. is a work. I don't see a moro. I see uh, a comment that we can use to, to create controversy. And you know, again, it's like not everybody's going to see the full picture all the time, and that's very common in pro wrestling. I mean, look at everything we read every day about people going at each other and saying things. And is are they working together? Are they not working together? Some things start not working together, then they start working together. Sometimes they start working together, and then no, they're they're no longer working together. Right? It's part of the business of professional wrestling. If that's not an element that Moro, or if it's an element that seems to continue to talk to dog Moro and, and bring him genuine pain and, and frustration. I know that there are other spots that in, in other industries that he's been very happy at and uh, don't come with that kind of baggage, if that makes sense.
0: Well, and I would, I would absolutely call out people online. I've seen who said, well, you got to be able to take criticism despite your mental health issue, blah, 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 blah. This was not somebody giving more of feedback and saying, Hey, Here are some things we'd like for you to work on and some Mm -hmm. constructive criticism, right? Can we get there together? This was simply kind of a, a, again, maybe in Corey's words here, just for kind of the shock jock sake. But this was a a low blow of sorts if you're in Moro's head. And so it's a very different situation. And I don't think you can say you got to toughen up and have thick skin, right? That's not the world we live in.
1: It it felt, and and it's interesting where Corey has taken the direction of his podcast because it felt very much like something that you like read in the comment section and then you're like oh that's a good line i'm going to use that line right <laughs> like
2: that's, yeah. that's a good line
1: and then of course then of course then you get into a battle with with Dave Meltzer and like there's just like a very specific mm. genre of pro wrestling podcasting i feel like going on here with Corey Graves um yeah it did it felt like i read that in the comment section sick burn i guess a lot yeah. of people are saying stuff like this if i can <laughs> lean into that that narrative and play around with it. Cause I'm sure Moro hears it all the time, right?
0: Um, yep. And well, we don't have time to talk about this either on this podcast. Maybe this is a, a, another breakdown at some point, but there was a much larger Corey is leaning into a subset of pro wrestling Twitter and pro wrestling punditry, coverage, whatever you want to call it out there that is kind of like this alternate circle where we are attacking the people who are in the world covering it, right? We are attacking the Dave Meltzers, the people who are the fan favorites, the Mauro Ranallos. We're going after them. And so when Corey says, I'm just trying to stir up some controversy, he's also leaning into a very specific subset of professional wrestling fans who have a very vocal voice on Twitter, one that I don't always agree with, and I I don't agree with, period, right? Um, That are going after all of these people just for the sake of of creating a name for themselves, right? And I'm not going to name other journalists names, but there are people out there who are doing this and trying to make a name for themselves by doing it. So, again, all in good fun. And as Corey says, I'm just trying to do something out there, but he did kind of call and lean into a group. Let's
1: let's be real here. The end result here was he saved his statement for his own podcast so he would get the bump, right? And I guess if the, the, the goal here was to sell more Omaha Steaks, Then it worked. Right. Is it? Is is there? I do. I question the genuineness a bit of waiting to do it on your podcast as opposed to seeing the effect you've had and immediately addressing it. Right. Which seems like it may have been a little bit more. I think it would have been better received had he done it in the moment and not waited, you know, to put it out on Wednesday morning or whatever. So.
0: Well, and so what I would say, is don't listen to it on the podcast. Go check it out on WrestlingE.com. There you go. Read the transcription.
1: <laughs> uh, and speaking of NXT, we do have some new matches that have been announced uh, for tomorrow night's show. William Regal announced on Twitter that Dominic Dijakovic uh, and Keith Lee are going to take on NXT Tag Team Champions Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly for the titles. We're also going to get Leo Rush defending the NXT Cruiserweight Championship against Akira Tozawa. Uh, and then over on AEW, of course, the big match is being announced is for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Between uh, MJF and uh, Hangman Adam Page. You know, Keith Lee um, stole the weekend for NXT in a lot of people's eyes. I know they got a lot uh, in store for Dominic Dijakovic. I,
0: I would not be surprised to see them take the titles here
1: from the Undisputed
0: Era. Well, it's, it's about time we've seen the Undisputed Era kind of cycle out. I mean, they've had a great run in their current format, and having all the titles is great. But I think War Games was kind of that cap for them. And I think from here on out, you're going to see some other guys kind of bubble up, not at the sake of Undisputed Era, but using Undisputed Era to prop up some other big talents. Keith Lee, I mean, I'm big on Dominic Dyshikovic. I think he's come a long way in his time in NXT. And putting the belt on these guys, especially days after the star-making performance for Keith Lee, is going to generate interest in that product.
1: Because, again, I do think you're going to have more people watching it this week, and they're going to probably want a Keith Lee moment, you know, because now you made a lot of Keith Lee fans. So them that moment, show your men, show them you're invested in this guy, and you may retain a lot of those people that come back week to week going forward. And of course, Leo Rush uh, and Tozawa are great. I'm sure they'll tear it up. It's been a while since I've seen Tozawa really be given some time to do a, a big match like this, so I'm sure he'll, he'll take advantage of it.
0: Makes for a good solid card, too, right? You have a good interesting tag team match, a good interesting lightweight match here, a cruiserweight match and you do something with Adam Cole um, and Ciampa. I mean, yeah, you're going to have a good show Wednesday night. too. Now
1: night. it may just be because I've been so in a WWE bubble for five straight days here, but it feels to me like WWE may pick up uh, a little, another streak here. I think they've got some momentum. Um, of course, AEW has been no slouch. They've been hovered just below a million here uh, consistently. Um, I don't know. Who, who do you think? Who do you think draws more people
0: tonight? Michael, I, I am 100% in the camp that NXT is going to pull out a second-week victory here. I think they're going to bubble up next to a million. The only thing that might hurt them is being the night before Thanksgiving, but also maybe that helps them. Right. But you can tell AEW is feeling the heat a little bit because they put out this uh, hashtag yesterday. What was it? Um, I'm with AEW or, or something like that? They've been using that one, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw it bubbling up a lot in my Twitter timeline yesterday. Oh. So I think the war is on, man. It's happening. Yeah, it's feeling. This is where this is good. We're we're settling in here, you know. And NXT gets a lot of attention. The
1: AEW faithful, they're gonna bang the drum. They're gonna bang that drum.
0: So well, AEW is
1: bringing in Batman
0: for what it's worth. <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> um, uh, let's move over here. Pro Wrestling Sheep broke the news that uh, Lana recently inked a new five-year deal with the company. Uh, her new deal reportedly allows her to take time off for non WWE projects. Uh, it was also noted that Rusev has not signed a new WWE contract, and the word is that the Bulgarian brute is still in the middle of going, uh, are still in the middle of ongoing contract talks with the company. Uh, Lana did confirm the deal with the following tweet. I just signed a multi-million dollar deal with WWE. Congrats! I guess to herself. So um, good for me. Good, I'm rich now. Good job, Lana. Well, look. Here's the thing: is if if Lana is, I wonder about the storyline now. Is this more because Lana's like, no, I want to be doing more here. I know I can be, I can be on top. Even if you want to leave, and this is Rusev bending over backwards to help his wife get over the finish line of the deal she was working on. And
0: now, I I don't know. I I mean, hmm. You know? The question I have is, like, if if Rusev had said, no, I'm not going to sign, would that have hurt Lana's chances at re-signing? I
1: think it would have. And I think if he'd even feigned for a moment that he was not invested in what they were doing with her, that could also affect it. You know what I mean? And that that may be why he's been so defensive of it. I don't know. Maybe he's very happy with all this. Maybe he's going to sign. That was just something that came to my mind when I saw that. And I'll I'll jump over here to— to the Starcade matches um, that are uh, so this Sunday night. Did you know that Starcade is this Sunday night on the <laughs> WWE Network?
0: <laughs> did not until Monday. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I didn't know until I was writing this run sheet today. Um, so, Bobby Lashley and Rusev are going to face off in a last man standing match at Starcade, which is like a kind of definitive end to most feuds. And it's interesting because it's only going to be a one hour show. They have this fatal four-way for the women's tag match. They have the Kevin Owens show with Ric Flair. But this, this, this is a one-match show, in my opinion. This is if you are if you are interested in Lashley, Rusev, you want to see these guys go at it and have this big penultimate match. This is this is where they're going to do it, and it seems yeah, kind of odd. I mean, I, I know they could do some kind of finish moving on, but last man standing matches those are traditionally into the road type matches for feuds.
0: Yeah. And and to your point about liking, uh, I mean, I'm thinking here, I like them using this as the headline match because using different feuds, it doesn't always have to be a championship feud, but using different feuds to kind of, prop up some of these in-between cards. I know we're just two weeks away from TLC or whatever and a week removed from Survivor Series. But if you did more shows like this and did fewer big pay-per-views, I think it'd be a really interesting way to go to maintain that interest and not wear out the same feuds over and over and over. So I think that's an interesting way to take it. I do not 100% believe this is going to be the end of this feud by a long shot. I think they're doing this as a stopgap Until they do a TLC style match or a table style match or a chair style match in a couple of weeks at TLC, Um, but I am a big fan of the Starrcade special. You know, they did it here in Greensboro. Keep in mind, guys, I'm a North Carolina native. Starrcade is originally from Greensboro, North Carolina. So I'm a little bit biased here. But when they brought it back here in Greensboro, just down the road for me, I loved it. It was one of the first kind of shows that had that retro feel to it. The first year it wasn't even televised, right? So I think that's cool they're keeping this going, but I wish there was a little more energy put around making this feel like an event and not just an hey look we have a special on the network kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And you know I guess they're gonna probably do some some work to hype this up on on Friday night on SmackDown as well. Um, but you know that look. The pieces are moving. Lana's locked in. Rusev is not, at least according to the report here from Pro Wrestling Sheet, and we do have this big blow off bout here planned for Sunday. Just uh, keep it in the back of your mind. All
0: when does say. his contract act- actually expire? I don't know. Maybe it's
1: maybe it's Monday. Let's <laughs> let's let's say Monday. I don't. He's know. on AWTV TV next Wednesday. <laughs> I
0: have no idea, dude. I, really I mean, this is this is the thing about Rusev's One of those guys. I think if he jumps ship it means a lot. I think He's a he very that. different kind of star for AEW. He could be a world champion there in no time flat.
1: I think, I think you're right. I think he knows that too. Um, so, and you know, there's a lot of places. I mean, there's other places too. I mean, Ring of Honor needs a centerpiece, right? They need something right now. Impact Wrestling, you know, we started mm. the show off today, praising Impact Wrestling and being like, they did something really fun. I heard a lot of positive stuff around them last night. They're making moves. MLW, uh, rife with shooters at the moment a lot of people i think rusev could get in there and have some fun with so while i do think aw's a given it, look there's there's a you can patchwork together uh the style and uh amount you'd like to be paid uh at the level that he's at right now you know
0: well and especially if you just got your wife to help get her across the finish line for a multi-million dollar contract that gives you a lot more flexibility that's
1: true it does it does um all right and lastly here uh we got some more nxt news uh, Pro, or PWInsider.com reporting that WWE NXT TV is going to continue to air from NXT Arena at Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida for at least a few more months. Now, WWE remains contractually locked into regular Wednesday nights, Wednesday night dates at full sail through the end of March 2020. Now, And it's been noted before by us that the NXT ticketing website recently confirmed the full sail dates through January 29th, 2020. Now, there is still speculation that NXT could begin... Touring outside of, outside of full sale for the Wednesday night shows, but here's what I'm wondering now: if things seem to be moving in a more upward trajectory and they can start notching up wins, uh, do you maybe do you maybe pull back on that a little bit? Right? Do, are you as gun?
0: Are you a little gun shy to pull the trigger on that? I mean, I think it does put put you off the hook of feeling like you have to move outside of full sale. Agreed. But listen, Nick, I still tune back and forth every Wednesday night and I still see the differences and the full sale crowd, great crowd, right? But the arena, the size, the scope, the feel, the it just it still feels a little bit second fiddle to doing true arena shows.
1: I agree with that. And you know, if you couple in what I think the the a lot of the positive features that NXT has right now, you know, the good feuds. Uh, the characters that people are, are getting more behind, like Keith Lee, Rhea Ripley, Adam Cole had a breakout weekend. Um, you layer that on top of a more vibrant environment, and especially since the brand is more vibrant, you probably have a better chance of you know selling out some some decent sized little venues and arenas. Um, I don't know. Again, it's just getting very interesting right now, Michael. I'm I'm intrigued to see what 2020 holds for us.
0: I think some people are really down on this idea that NXT could could do decent with doing some arena size shows, and you don't have to go big arenas, right? But keep in mind, NXT is the kind of brand that they go, again, a WWE weekend, but they go the night before a major WWE pay-per-view at times like Survivor Series, SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and they are able to sell out arenas on that brand alone. So I think the power is there to take them on the road and do some really cool stuff.
1: Nick Housman here with Wrestling Inc. It's Starcast 4, and Starcast Ford. I am joined right now by none other than the Bad Boy, Joey Janella. That's me.
3: Joey, you're looking like uh, you're looking like a Vietnam protester right now. Is that is that the look you want? Yeah. Yeah. Every uh, every so often, a uh, wrestler has to evolve and do a new look. Mm. And my uh, current look is um, uh, what's his name from uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say the Forrest Gump guy. I want to say it's Woody's. It's not Woody Gump. Oh, I don't know. I... It's, it's something else. I know who you're talking about. Is it Woody? <laughs> who, would, who would know this? I know what you're talking. I know who you're talking about. The guy that was at the Washington Monument. Yeah,
1: without
3: the legs. Yeah, without the well, yeah. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I forgot his name. Anyway, well, if you chop your legs off, you kind of look like Lieutenant Dan too. So That's what I'm saying. Oh, Lieutenant Dan. Oh, dude. I was thinking of the other guy. The lead. Lieutenant the guy that was Dan. the lead hippie that was like. You know, no, at the foot of the wash, like Lieutenant Dan. I guess you want to. So is that what you want to be? No, I just, I just like to look weird. Okay, all right, well, fair. We got a big match tomorrow night. Over here, Sean Spears. How's it feel to be performing as part of AEW's first paper? Uh, I should say first non. WrestleMania type pay per view, like all out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think all their pay per views were like WrestleMania. I think uh, all the AEW pay per views blowed WrestleMania away in the last couple of years. And WrestleMania is just, it's still such a spectacle, but the great of WrestleMania you know, has been down so much in the last couple of years. It just doesn't feel like an idiot. And uh, I think AEW, walk know, away all they do is but... Uh, uh, massive, you uh. So, uh. know, just another, uh, you know, it's another bookmark uh, in uh, the Joey Janella story. Kind of well, here's the Joey. Last time we talked, you said you didn't want to be known for car crash style matches, but they keep putting you in these like unsanctioned lights out matches. Hardcore. You got to have the one match with Kenny. I feel like a dynamite to really blew everybody away and show everyone
1: what you could do. But you're still kind of getting no. that hardcore role. You don't feel
3: that? No, not anymore. Like I kind of complained. that was like, I don't want to be pigeonholed. This uh, hardcore stuff. Yeah, okay. Because on the Indies, you know, it was uh, I would do the hardcore stuff and uh, I excel at that, of course. But only for blowoff matches and uh, you know, the end of storylines. Sometimes it was people just wanting to see me uh, get these car accident matches, which I was fine with. But I'm older now; I'm 30 years old, and uh, you know, my body is not what it used to be. Even though I am, uh, I am feeling great, but it's not what it used to be. And those car crash matches take years off your career, and. Uh, I just want to show everyone and prove all the haters wrong, all the new AEW fans that are just seeing me for the first time, that I'm not just that, that I, and I'm i multiversitial in my Oh, this girl just hit her head. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. Well, she wants to show that she doesn't have to just do car crash matches Oh, she's Oh, her head. Oh, yeah. We're talking about, by the way, one of the uh, waitresses by the bar right now. Oh, yeah, she went to walk behind the bar when one of those things the flapped to, to get in the bar and, and smashed on her head. Earlier, actually, I picked up a kid on my shoulder today and to didn't see it, the beam over there, and he smashed his head on the beam. What? That's, Young, so, that's like the scene from basketball. Yeah, he hit his head, and he was fine. But good thing no one got on video, because I'd be, uh, people writing tweets on Twitter saying I'm beating kids now. Yeah. that are not Marco's stunts. <laughs> Do you, now, Marco gets a lot of heat. Yeah. Unwarranted? Unwarranted completely. Yeah, right? Kids love it. Oh, of course kids, kids love it. Adults love adults love Marco's stunts. The right kind of adult. There are some that seem super judgy. Everyone's going to realize what's Marco. Uh, once things really, really start picking up, in AEW and you see Marco stunt on a Nickelodeon kid show and he's making more money than all these haters on the internet who work at Subway being sandwich artists. They're gonna realize that they were wrong and they're gonna they're gonna bring it to them with the, to the grave. But Marco, Jungle, and luchasaurus that has Nickelodeon TV show written all over. It. it really does. All right, last thing here, cause I gotta run down and, and talk to Darby here in a second. Now, you dressed up like Jim Portet oh, yeah. did you not? Now, did you hear from Jim? Like, I feel like he rubbed it in Jim's face so much. Does he just not bother with you anymore? Oh no, these guys are such—they're they're really losing their minds. Yeah, like uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people, a lot of wrestlers in the past um, that had issues with Jim, and a lot of uh, a lot of people with a lot of websites have been hitting me up saying these guys are legit losing their minds because you're making them so angry. Yeah, and the thing is, I you know they like to play it off like they're just you know they're not angry i'm living in his head he's living in my head rent free is what he said i'm about to say that's not but these guys are so stupid like i gave marcus Stutt a package of collar off the top because i didn't realize he was hurt and i knew was a move i could perform safely where he breaking down the, the wall here you know? but i realized i could protect him with the move and i absolutely didn't even touch but these guys are going on the internet calling me unsafe all day and every day and I have no track record of ever injuring anybody. No, so not at all. Like, you've injured yourself more than you've injured have, others. Exactly. I have no track record. I've been wrestling for 15 years, and so a lot of people say that I'm untrained. They don't realize that that's not the case, that after I got in the business untrained, I went to many schools, and I have a bigger seminar and camp list than any wrestler in the independence fucking, maybe any wrestler ever, that I've done more training camps and seminars with the Who's who the wrestling business, so that I'm perfectly trained and capable of protecting somebody and my track record speaks for itself so fuck you Jim Cornette fuck you Brian Last you guys are fucking cucks and uh hopefully one day Jim I can join the other wrestlers in the hot tub while you sit down watch sure, uh, your I'm not even gonna go there all right well we're done banana here. boy banana bitch boy all right we're done here uh thank you all very much uh the it's riled up It's gonna me riled up I didn't even try that hard you know you just kind of the OVW jacuzzi days I know about that Jim the OVW Jacuzzi Days, and the Banana Boy.
4: All right, and uh, I think we'll call it there.
1: Thank you, jo- thank you, Joey, for the time and uh, Wrestling Ink, Nick Hausman here at Starcast. Uh, stay tuned.
4: We are now here, '80s Wrestling Con Two, with the legendary manager of all managers and bodyguard. Virgil, of course, a Million Dollar Man, Ted Babiassi. Virgil, hey, tell us about
2: today. Hey, brother, it's great out here. And I was the real deal, baby. Yeah. Okay, yeah. My main thing was bodyguarding and whooping ass. Yeah. So you act up this size. Right here, baby. over the half. Right here. Deep up in that booty. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm going to shake it and I'm going to drop that right hook. Right in the chin right here, where everything's gonna be rattling. That's
4: right. Rattling, rattling. He's rattling it off. Virgil. Gotta ask you, you know, what was the best part of being with Ted? Obviously the famous basketball skid of kicking the basketball out.
2: You were there for all of it, man. The best thing being with Ted was money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. And money buys Everything. Everything. Everything.
4: That's what I'm saying. Now, obviously, you know, you you turned out to a singles competitor, had a great run there at the WWE. What do you remember most about that?
2: Oh, brother, I I was a a true wrestler when I came out of school. Right. Okay? And it got better, better, and better. So if you want to see something, you're looking at it now.
4: (laughs) I love it, Virgil. This is fantastic. It's entertaining. And, and, you know, the million-dollar belt. Yeah. You know, you, you had that around your waist a few times. You didn't just guard it, but it was
2: yours. Right? now I won it. You won it. I went in and won it, and then I really put it around my waist. <laughs> wore it on my head. Wore it on my leg. Everywhere. Wore it on my arm. Okay. Open the arm. And I had a couple of girls wearing that belt too. <laughs> I love it, man. Right. I love it. Virgil, last quick question yeah. is.
4: Um, The industry has evolved, it's changed so much. The network we see on there, which is awesome, remembering some classic amazing days, is um, the competition now, you got AEW, you got WWE, and some other indie promotions out there that are doing well. Tell us about that competition, how it betters everybody.
2: Um, It'll better everyone where they can get on national TV and shine. Show around the world what you can do and then you come to Madison Square Garden or uh, the Staples Center in LA and pack it in three minutes. We just sell at Madison Square Garden in a minute.
4: That is freaking awesome,
2: that is awesome. And okay.
4: Virgil, Virgil, I had to ask you this. You know, you're a great talker. Yeah. And for all those years, were you just building up more to say? Because we didn't hear much from hey, you in the 80s and 90s.
2: I was a college wrestler, I had to learn this pro wrestling, okay, and then you have to learn how to. I was a scholar when I came out of college, okay. You have to learn how to really talk in front of the camera, right? and when I learned it, guess what? Boom, bingo, bango, I'm here. Boom, Virgil in the house. Last question, Virgil, right here. We'll get you back to your fans here,
4: 80s Wrestling Con, Freehold, New Jersey. Yeah. Is um, what do you want the fans, and what do you want? the WWE Universe and the wrestling audience to remember you most by
2: um, Just like I came in, did the job, rolled the job, and I was there. And I rocked it.
4: It's about that money, baby. It's all
2: about the money, honey.
4: <laughs> Virgil right here Eddie's Wrestling Con. We're coming right back
1: at you. Thank you, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news today. Thank you very much to Joey Janela for the times. Thank you to StarCast for giving us the access and AEW for helping us get that one as well. And uh, thank you to Andy Melnoski for going out to 80s Wrestling Con and chatting with Soul Train Jones, Virgil. Joey Janela, dude, it's just, I've been wanting to put these two interviews next to each other for over a week and it finally happened I'm so happy
0: what a day to do it too man
1: <laughs> yeah what a day indeed the janella day we weren't even supposed to enjoy today we did we had pre-decided to move joey to this day and the virgil interview and then of course joey broke the internet last night um we'll be back tomorrow um with our winkly thanksgiving special it's gonna have mega ran dave lagreca haku andy Melnoski, josh barnett brian wool michael weissman and i we're gonna be sitting around the table. Flinging mashed potatoes at each other. Talk, <laughs> talking about the Wednesday Night War. Um, And if you like, uh, if you want to listen to that show, if you like this show, uh, go over to Wrestling Inc. Audio on iTunes. Subscribe. Nice five-star ratings. Tell a friend. Uh, we have some more very big audio coming up for you next week as well. Um, And uh, the gravy train never stops. Michael, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today?
0: Gravy train because it's almost Thanksgiving, huh? Eh? Mm-hmm. That's why I said it. I, what was that? That's
1: why I said it.
0: Oh, that's clever. Look Thank at you. Okay, so give me a follow if you don't mind. I am on Twitter at TheRealWiseman. I, you know, have these great conversations with Nick every week, but love to hear from you guys as well. Let's let's chat it up about pro wrestling or whatever else. Thanksgiving, you know, absolutely. Else.
1: And as part of the Thanksgiving show, Michael, we're going to have all those guests and Mega Rand's on the show. And the reason Mega Rand came on to talk is because he just dropped a new song called The Sunset Flip featuring Xavier Woods. And uh, he has given us permission to use that as part of the show tomorrow as well. So you're going to get some music on your Thanksgiving special as well. Nice. Regular- Not
0: sung by me or Nick, sung by real musicians. <laughs> well,
1: nerdcore-rapped by, uh, by two gentlemen. Cutting promos to a beat, as Mega Rand would say. So we got that tomorrow for you and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.